Does the world really need another podcast? There are over 5 million podcasts available globally with 70 million episodes that you can catch in 150 languages. So why go to the trouble of adding yet another? In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So if one heart can be touched, if one mind can be renewed, and if just one life could be transformed, then I think it's worth it. This is one more cast. Donkeys everywhere. The following is a recap of a sermon I preached at Camby Tabernacle on April 14th, 2019, Palm Sunday. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. And when they had drew nigh into Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus, then sent Jesus two disciples saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. This is a story of the triumphal entry. It goes on in verse 8. And very great multitudes spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. If you look that, look at that word, Hosanna, it means save now. Save now. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Luke's account in chapter 19 and verse 28, it says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh unto Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, and the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found, even as he had said unto them. As they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. They brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
this passage in Matthew, also in Luke, is a fulfillment of a prophecy that goes back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. This is a prophecy that went forth saying that your king will come unto you riding a colt, the foal of an ass. There's another passage of scripture that I think in some way can resemble this story that took place on what we call Palm Sunday. It's all the way back to 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Can I stop just for one second and say that if you're tired of being passed up, if you're tired of apparently God going somewhere else to reside, if you're, if you're tired of not having the blessing of God on your life, if you're tired of not having the touch of God in your life, if it seems like your prayers don't make it past the ceiling, if it seems like your devotional time is not very powerful, if you want to commune with God, but it just seems like there are obstacles, there are things that stand in your way, almost as if there's a frequency that's causing static in your connection with God. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 4 and look at what this woman did. She said, this prophet passes by here all the time. Verse 10, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. We don't want to give him any reason to not stop in here. If he's coming anywhere close to here and he's hungry, I want him to know that he can come here and have fellowship and food with us. If he's passing by on one of his journeys and he's tired, he's weary, he needs a place to stay, even if just for the night, I want him to stop here. Again, I I want to communicate to those that may hear this podcast. If there are things in your life that are taking up space, and the, the name of those things is not Jesus. And the name of those things is not walking with the Lord. And the name of those things has nothing to do with time spent with the Lord. And if the purpose of those things are something other than the purpose of the kingdom of God and your relationship with God and your walk with God, they may not be terrible things. They may not be sinful things. They may not even be negative things. But look at what this Shunammite woman did. She had a little bit of real estate and she had a portion of that real estate that prior to making a space for the prophet to stop by, she thought we could use this for something better. Oftentimes when I'm teaching about tithes and offerings, we don't teach a lot about tithes and offerings. Maybe we should teach more, but I teach my people that the Lord is not interested in your 10%. And he's not interested necessarily in your additional amount, which would be an offering. 
He's interested in 100% of your money. And that usually, that usually causes people to take a deep breath and say, wow, we've often been asked for 10% or even, even 10% plus a 5% offering. This is really weird. This preacher's telling us that he wants 100%. No, 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 no. Here's how this works. The Lord is not so much concerned with the 10%. While it's a biblical principle and out of obedience, we give the first fruits and then we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. We don't know, Proverbs 3, how we're going to be able to make it on the 90%, but we know one thing that we cannot afford to not give the Lord our first fruits. But make no bones about it. He's interested in way more than just your first fruits. He's interested in way more than just your 10%. He wants 100% of your time, 100% of your resources, 100% of you. Here's how it works out. The Lord wants you to allocate a certain amount of your income to provide for you and for your family a roof over your head so that you can sleep at night so that you can have safety and security so that you can exist, quite literally exist and live one more day to be a profitable servant in the kingdom of God. And he wants you to invite people over to your apartment or your house and teach people Bible studies and disciple people so it goes way beyond just the 10% that you drop in the little velvet-lined, brass-colored offering plate at church every Sunday. That's just a certain percentage of cash, cold, hard cash that you're allocating to the service of the Lord. You're going to take whatever factor you want of your particular income and provide a place for your family to exist and to invite other people into your life and thus the kingdom of God and use your place of domicile as that tool. He also wants you to take another portion of your income and provide transportation. Maybe you're in a city where you use the subway. Maybe you're in a city where it's buses. Maybe you're in a city where you have a Tesla. Maybe you're in a city where you drive a John Deere green tractor. But he wants you to take some of that income that you bring in and allocate a portion of that for transportation to take you to people to preach the gospel, to disciple, to live out what it's like to be a covenant or in covenant relationship with God, to be conformed to the image of the man that God became and reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. So you're going to people with that vehicle. You're bringing people to church with that vehicle. You're bringing your family, whether it's siblings or children or grandchildren or parents, uncles, whoever, you see how this works? It's not so much about the 10%. It's about 100%. And he just lets you enjoy it along the way. Because everything that we do, I think Paul says, everything that you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I believe one of the Old Testament poets said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all of thy might. So to be 100% plugged in, to the power source, not just through an extension cord, but but plugged in directly to the power source will result in a life where it's not a sacrifice for you to give a little space in your house for when the prophet wants to stop by. It's not a sacrifice for you to give a little bit of time off of the internet, off of your electronic device, off of 
Instagram, Facebook, I call it ChapSnat, just to get on young people's nerves and to bug the millennials. And I know what I'm talking about, but it sounds so much funnier to say ChapSnat and then also (laughs) give them something to laugh about. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This old guy. There are so many things that consume our lives. There are so many things that take away from time and energy and resources that we could be devoting to the Lord and building our hopes on things eternal. That's what this woman does. She says to her husband, hey, can we allocate a little bit of space here and set it up so that it's something that the prophet can't resist? He's just got to come and he's got to have some corn muffins with us and he's got to share with us what's going on in the prophet's world, what's going on in the people of God's world. So there's connective tissue there with this story in Matthew chapter 22 and Luke chapter 19 with Jesus telling his disciples to go out and and get this colt. And if someone asks, hey, why are you taking this colt? You're to say, the Lord hath need of him. And then when you think about Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 and that prophecy that came forth hundreds of years before this very event, I can't help but think that there were probably donkeys tied up all throughout the cities, all throughout the land that day and days leading up and maybe probably not so much days after, but certainly in anticipation of a prophecy being fulfilled. Probably not every single house had a donkey, but that would be to our shame because someone Somehow, whether it was passed on verbally, generation after generation, or if someone had gone to the synagogue and had heard a rabbi read from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 saying that the king is going to come and he's going to be riding on a colt and he'll be humble and lowly and he will bring salvation. And then when they begin to think about that prophecy and they hear stories about this this God man who's walking on the water and he's bidding others to come out and walk on the water with him. This man that runs through Bethany and there's a person that's been in the grave for four days. And the commentary around that is that he's been in there so long that now rigor mortis has set in and he's began to rot. And in spite of our treating him with oils and ointments and properly handling a dead body by now, Lord, he stinketh, but he called him by name and he drew him out of the dead, not just the grave, not just a cold, hard hole in the stone, but from a soulful place, from a spiritual place. He called him from another dimension we used to we used to joke around and and uh, back in the industrial age it seemed like there was a lot more corporal punishment going on than there is today and i overheard somebody say i think it was one of my uncles telling my my cousin he said i'm going to i'm going to slap you into next week if you don't watch your mouth or i'm going to slap the taste out of your mouth it's it's almost referring to like slapping somebody so hard that their grandchildren have migraines it's like you slap them into another dimension and i remember that being so funny but but that's exactly what happened in the case of jesus and lazarus lazarus is now in another dimension he's not in the same realm that we're living in in the physical but jesus called his name and he said lazarus come forth and he was not just saying come forth from a hole in the ground. He was saying, come forth from death. And this, this man, perhaps that was, that was hanging out this donkey that day, tying him up to a post was like, 
Zechariah 9.9 says that the king is going to come and he's going to need a donkey. And it's the same guy that raises the dead. It's the same guy that makes lepers whole. It's the same guy that gives sight back to blind men. He was in the middle of a street one day and told an adulterous woman, go and sin no more. He started flipping tables upside down in the temple. He made a whip out of some ropes that were used to hold sacrificial animals and kicked kicked a multitude out of the temple. And they were outside the temple pointing their fingers at him in an accusatory fashion saying, what gives you the right to kick us out? Which I think is comical because at this point, who cares about right? You're outside and he's inside. This man, this this God man who spoke like no one else has ever spoke, who gave the Beatitudes, who spake with such wisdom from the age of 12 was talking with doctors and lawyers and blowing their minds. And he was taken very seriously and all of his miracles and all the wonderful things that had taken place and feeding of 5,000. And the list goes on and on and on and stretching forth of the withered hand and giving people back their sight and their hearing. And now maybe, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the king who has salvation. He's been saying your sins be forgiven thee. He's been casting out legions of devils. He's acting like a king from another dimension. But he's going to need a colt. He's going to need a donkey. And maybe today's the day that he comes through. And if this prophecy is real, and if what he's been doing is real, and I believe that it is, then I want him to use my little colt. I think there's something tremendous that we can take from this story. We're not literally going to go out and tie up donkeys everywhere. But in our day and age, we know that the king is coming. We know that the Lord's return is imminent. And he said in another prophecy, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh Peter said, this promise is unto you and to your children, to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so now as church planters and pastors and evangelists, apostles, prophets, and teachers, we ought to be tying up donkeys everywhere. We ought to put decoration up in our Sunday school class and we ought to keep the floor vacuumed and we ought to keep the cabinets stocked fresh with cookies and Kool-Aid because little children are going to come in and they're not going to have the type of exposure that we all have who are veterans who are a little long in the tooth in terms of the apostolic movement. Sometimes these are bus kids and sometimes unfortunately they need to have breakfast before Sunday school class starts. And I remember years and years ago working on a bus ministry and, and sometimes parents would wait on Sunday morning. They couldn't wait to get their little kids out of the house and they would literally just not throw them, but just almost push them out the door and just get these kids out of my face. Just get these kids out of my hair. And these, these kids don't know. They're just innocent little kids, three, four, five-year-olds. They don't know what's going on. But what they do know is that somebody came with a bus and the bus always smelled pretty good. And that somebody came and, and, and brushed their hair. And maybe if they were little girls, maybe we put a couple of barrettes in their hair so that their hair wouldn't flash in front of their faces. And maybe if they were little boys and they had some leftover frozen pizza that they pulled out of the freezer the night before because their parents were passed out drunk or high or on some sort of a trip, or maybe they didn't come home at all and they got frozen pizza sauce on the side of their face. They never wiped their face before they went to bed and they just got up to come to Sunday school the next day. And they didn't, they didn't 
they didn't know how to be. They didn't know how to act in church. They didn't know how to exist. They didn't know how to put any money in the offering plate. They didn't know how to lift their hands. And but what they what they felt, what they realized is that there's there are some human beings that are not like my mommy and daddy. There are some human beings that are not like my aunties and my uncles. There are some people that are setting donkeys out. Somebody's vacuuming the floor. Somebody's teaching a Sunday school lesson. Somebody's praying to Jesus. Somebody's walking these kids through the process of receiving the Holy Ghost. Somebody's baptized and these kids, somebody's hanging out, donkeys. We just had a little event at our church, Canby Tabernacle, and we had a little bounce house, and we put out 700 Easter eggs, and we set up some cornhole games, and we bought 180 donuts, and we passed out orange juice by the gallon, and we had some coffee, and we had face painting going on. And, you know, what what point is this? Does this really help propel the kingdom of God? Does this propagate the gospel? We have no idea. We have no idea if this is going to work. We have no idea if we're going to see anyone be saved as a part of this process, but we're just hanging a donkey out. We're just tying a donkey out to the post and we're saying, hey, just stop on in, have a donut. Let us shake your hand. Let us smile at you. The world is a vicious place consumerism is taking over. You don't have what the other person has, so you're nothing in this life. And there's so much pressure on people to perform. And there's so much, so much pain and burden. Things have happened to people that they didn't do themselves. And sometimes they're, they truly are reaping what they've sown because of some bad decisions that they've made. But there was a prophecy that also went forth that said that when the Messiah would come, that he would make the mountains low and he would raise the valleys. And that what that's saying is that he would make it a level playing field for everyone, meaning it doesn't matter if you're wealthy, meaning it doesn't matter if you know how to use dial. It doesn't matter if you floss twice a day and brush your teeth. It doesn't matter if you're building up some sort of a serious bank account, but if you are hungry, if you're thirsty, there is a well that you can draw from that will never run dry and he will spring up from your belly rivers of living water. What are you saying, Brother Mac? I'm saying there is salvation and now more than ever, it is so important that we hang out our donkey everywhere in our lives, in our ministries, in our churches, just in case the Lord wants to come by, just like the Shunammite woman, just in case the prophet just gets an inkling to stop by. I don't want any excuse to stand in the way. I want the presence of God to be in my house. I want the presence of God to be in my life. And so until that day comes, until the trumpet sounds, until he appears in the clouds and the dead in Christ rise first, until we rise to meet them in the air, I'm going to continue to carve out some space in my life, some time. I'm going to push away some worldly things. I'm going to say no to some carnal things. I'm going to resist some temptation because come by here, Lord Jesus. There's a people that want to have a touch from you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And so we should set aside time. We should set aside space. I threatened to my church, and we might still do this, to get little donkey stickers made up, just ugly little bucktooth donkey stickers. And we want to put donkey stickers on in a corner somewhere in every part of the building and say, we do this sanctuary section because we want to hang out a donkey. We do the Sunday school because we want to tie up a donkey. We make coffee back there in the kitchen because we're just sticking up donkeys. We have greeters that come to the door and they hold up little signs that say, you look beautiful today because we just want to put a donkey out in case some hungry soul in case someone has been waiting in anticipation for a touch from the Lord. What kind of a cost is it just to set aside a little bit of space? What kind of cost is it to just set aside a little bit of time? 
How much does it really cost you to tie up a donkey in case the Lord hath need of him?